What comes to mind when you, you hear the word test? Like maybe your math test, right? You heard about my math test last week in high school. It didn't go so well. None of you were here. I forgot. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, when our kids, two of our kids joined the military and they had to take what's called the ASVAB test and that you test out to see what kind of job you qualify for in whatever branch of the military you're in. And I was thinking about tests. I thought about in high school taking the, the ACT test. I didn't do so well on that. <laughs> I got a 17 on my ACT. So I set the bar you know, a little low for the rest of my family on that. How about the SATs? Do you enjoy those? Remember those? And then I thought, sometimes when you think of the word test, you, you test drive a vehicle. You drive it and test it to see if you want to buy it, if it drives well, if it's nice. Then I, as I was thinking through that, I thought about when I was 16 and I did my driving test. And I kid you not, the guy that drove with me and was you know, testing me to see how, if I was qualified to get a driver's license, he, he was pretty crotchety and he was not, not so nice. And he goes, you know, I'm going to pass you, but I guarantee you're going to lose your license. <laughs> I was, Thanks for the build up there, bro. I, it may have happened. I don't, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> then I was thinking in the Bible, like we're told not to test God, except for in one area. In the book of Malachi, he tells us to test him in the area of generosity to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and he'll open up the windows of heaven and that he's a God of abundance and he'll always, there'll always be enough. That's one area in the Bible God says to test him when it comes to, to, to being generous and generous towards the things that matter you know, most to him. Today we're going to look at our third message on Abraham. We're going through uh, Genesis right now and, and calling it longing for Eden because as we've been reading the Bible together if you're new with us if you go to our app and you open up the tile that says his story there's a Bible reading plan that we started after Easter and we're now into the book of numbers but what we're doing this year is just trying to find Jesus on every page of the Bible and the Bible plan that we're reading is one story that leads to Jesus through the Bible project. And it's been cool to hear how many people are actually doing that and growing and uh, powering through some of the more difficult you know, passages and books in the Bible, but growing in our, our understanding of, it, of the Bible, and, and namely even the Old Testament, and how it ties in to Jesus. In uh, Genesis 22.1, it says, Now it came about after these things, that God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. Abraham had a calling from God. You have a calling from God. It might not be to full-time ministry. It might not be to the mission field. But you have a calling in the influence around you. And a calling from God is always going to be tested. That's a theme throughout Scripture. The, the testing of, of, of faith throughout Scripture. The first test came in the garden when Adam and Eve were told they could eat from any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know they failed that test and it caused all kinds of chaos. 
In the Bible Project, Tim Mackey, uh, I, I quote, quoting him in their video that they made about testing, he said, is it a test or a trap? It depends on if the one testing you has your best interest in mind or not. I like that. Because there's, there's a difference between testing that comes from God that's actually a good thing and He has our best interest at heart versus the evil one. His tests are always to, to trip us up, to destroy us in temptation. Jesus' half-brother James in his letter to the church he said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So what I see from that is tests in a good way, are for our growth. They're for our faith to persevere and to strengthen, for our roots in our faith to go deeper. But then James continues, he said, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So tests come from God for our growth. Temptation is a test for our destruction, or to, to, to trip us up, so to speak. So our text for today is in Genesis 22. I'm going to read 18 verses from Genesis 22. And it, it's a strange story. It's, it's probably hard for us in our modern understanding to try to wrap our, our minds around what's going on in this story. But I'm going to try, to try to be helpful in this. It says, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, take now your son, your one and only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Things just got strange. <laughs> so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose when it, and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked together. 
And they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and he said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. What's going on there? How does that apply to us today? Well, I see a handful of tests that are going on in this story that do apply to you and I in our faith, in our walk. And the first is the test of faith and obedience. The test of faith and obedience. And let's get the elephant out of the room. God would never ask someone to sacrifice their children and go through with it. God's not going to do that. So something is going on behind the scenes here. How do I know that? Well, Jesus, right? Who said, let the children come to me. Jesus, that doesn't sound like Jesus at all. So when we're reading the Bible, if you're reading in the Old Testament, you have to have you know, a Jesus. How would Jesus interpret any passage of Scripture? Very important. This is an ancient book, and it's an ancient worldview. And God meets people where they're at in every you know, time period and age and so forth. So that's what's going on there. It's a test of faith and obedience. Hebrews 11 says it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son. Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. I think there's, there's two angles to interpret what's going on here. The first angle could be that he was testing him to see if he feared the Lord or not. Because as soon as Abraham was about to go through with what he had heard, the, the angel of the Lord said, stop, now I know you fear God. So Abraham feared God before his test. I've been listening to different podcasts through the Bible Project and other things, and there's, there's different interpretations, but the two main ones was God was testing him to see if he feared the Lord. But the second possible angle is that God 
was trying to show Abraham that he was not like all the other pagan gods, like Moloch, who did ask their people, his people who worshipped him, to sacrifice children as worship. And, and as God was calling Abraham and Israel to be separate from the nations, to act differently, and to understand God differently, maybe that's what he was, he was doing, because we know that that's, that's not like God. And I believe both of those kind of go together. Maybe Abraham didn't really understand who God was. We have to remember, he was called out of pagan worship. And God is over and over introducing himself to who he really was to Abraham. So I think it's a little bit of both. It's about Abraham's faith and God's nature. But, but something we can take away is fearing God before our tests and temptation. Because every one of us is sub- subjected to temptation and to tests. And so to fear the Lord, as we see this pattern in Scripture of what it means to fear the Lord, is the word fear isn't great. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The word fear in Hebrew is to stand in awe of God, to trust Him. And Abraham trusted and, and stood in awe of God before his test. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and, and shun evil, as the Proverbs say. So I think the th- takeaway for that is let's you and I, let's, let's walk in trust and awe of God that He knows what's best for us. And that when He tells us to do something or not to do something, it's out of love. He's a perfect Father. And He has our best interest in heart. The second test is the test of love. The test of love. He, he said, take your one and only son whom you love. That echoes John 3.16 to me, right? For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only son that whoever would believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's a, there's a parallel going on here a little bit. Now it's interesting the place, Moriah, that he uh, told um, Abraham to go to. That's if you look at pictures of modern day Jerusalem, the thing most people get to their mind is the Dome of the Rock, right? The gold dome. You've seen pictures of Jerusalem. I mean, when we were in Israel, it's the first place you do. You stop up on a little ridge and you take pictures of the, the golden dome in the background and all of that. Well, it's interesting because that place in Jerusalem is called the Temple Mount. And so that it's a it's a a very important Jewish place. It's a very important to the Muslims because the gold dome is a Muslim site. And I twenty years ago they would let people go in to the Dome of the Rock and, and they didn't do it last time, but I've been in there and there is a big rock that they say that's the place where Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. It's been there for thousand years or so as a as a monument but it's also the place where the jewish people believe when the temple was there before it was destroyed in 70 a.d was the place in the temple that was the holy of holies where god's holy of holy presence was within the temple so it's, it's a sacred place for 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 many reasons jesus told his disciples, he said, if you love me, obey my commandments. 
Jesus isn't demanding that out of some sort of pity or, or he's mad. He's just stating a fact. If you love me, you'll put into practice what I say to do. Love is the mark of the believer. Love marks followers of Jesus. Jesus said of all that, you know, when he was asked about the 613 commands that are in the Old Testament, somebody asked him, what's the most important one? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love summarizes the most important parts of all the commands. So our test for our love for God, as Abraham was tested, our love for God is tested by how we love our neighbor how we love one another. We love God by loving people, by caring for one another, supporting one another. How many know we are tested by people, right? They might be sitting next to you. I don't know, but our kids test us. Our spouses can test us, except for mine. Our our, uh, neighbors, our co-workers, our parents, we're tested by people. We, we can rub each other wrong and have a bad day. And learning how to love and, and to forgive and to, to overlook, that's tested, you know, on a daily basis. So the test of love. And then the test of provision. Would God provide? Abraham didn't really understand what was going on. I have to believe that. He was like, what? You know, after all he's been through in the miracle child of of Isaac, now you're asking me to sacrifice him? What is going on in this story? Well, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. When Isaac asked, God will provide. God will provide. Will you say that with me? God will provide. Now, some of you are having a hard time believing that right now because of your bills and because of stuff that's going on. But he promises to be our provider. That's where the trusting, we're tested and then we trust. Test, trust, test, trust. And then the provision comes when they see the ram caught in the thicket. Abraham sees the ram caught in the thicket and God does provide. And it's important when uh, in Hebrew, the word caught means not that it was some sort of freak accident, but that the, the ram caught itself in the thicket. There was some sovereign hand of God to provide this ram for Isaac in place of Isaac. I wonder today if you're in a, in a test of provision. I've... I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor making a ton of money, right, as a youth pastor. <laughs> um, not so much. And had a car that, that had like a cracked engine block, something bad. And, it, and the estimate to get it repaired was $1,300. It didn't have $1,300. And I remember going to my prayer group and I didn't know all the guys in my prayer group super well, but I went to the prayer group and I said, hey, could you pray about something? Um, I have a car bill that's going to be pretty hefty and I'm just looking to God for provision. One of the guys that I didn't know super well, 
He said, well, how much is the repair going to cost? And I said, $1,300. He said, you're not going to believe this, but on my way to prayer this morning, God put it on my heart that I was to provide $1,300 for somebody. And I don't know who it is. He said, I'm pretty sure it's you. (laughs) That increased my faith a lot. And I mean, story after story where God provides when you you think there's not going to be anything. I, I remember somebody gave me a car around that same time period. It wasn't anything fancy, um, but it was a car that worked. And one of my coworkers, his car completely bit the dust and was undrivable anymore. And I remember thinking, well, we have two cars. He has none. He's going to get one. <laughs> We're going to share. And I got to share a car with him. And I remember giving him this car. And I was like, dude, this, I want you to have this. And he cried and couldn't believe it. It wasn't that special of a car, but it's not like I was giving him a Corvette or something. But um, it was provision for him. You never know when God is, you're the answer to someone's prayer for provision. You never know. And so we need to have our antenna up, spiritually speaking, and say, Lord, who can I be a blessing to? How can I be the answer to someone's prayer today. And I don't tell you that story about giving away a car to make me look good. It was fun. I say, be generous. A lifestyle of generosity is, as I've said many times, you never find someone who's generous that says, man, that generous stuff didn't work out for me. It's just our God is a generous God. And the more generous we are, the more we're being like God. Then the test of hope the test of hope. Think about what's going on here. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Which, did you know C.S. Lewis stole that? The Mines of Moria? That's actually what he had in mind here. Any Lord of the Rings fans besides me? Two of Somebody went like, I kind of am. Um, And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. Isaac's the promise. Isaac's the one he's saying, look up in the stars, at the stars. That's going to be your descendants. Your son is going to be a blessing to the entire world, to all the nations. Count the grains of sand on the seashore. That's your descendants. Guess who's in that? You and I. You and I. He was looking up at the stars. He saw you and I following Jesus. Isaac is in the lineage of Jesus. You go to the Gospels and you read the the genealogies of Jesus, Isaac's right there. If there wasn't Isaac, there wouldn't have been the line of Jesus and to have the Messiah and the Savior whom saved us. It's important. So Isaac, I mean, Abraham's hope is going, what is going on here? His hope being tested. This is the one we've waited for. This is our miracle son. What are you talking about, God? The one whom the world was going to be blessed. Hope is the confident expectation of God's faithfulness. That's what hope is. It's I I have a confident expectation that's not based on my circumstances that God will be faithful to what he's promised. So our hope can't be built on anything that can be taken away. People can be taken away, money, careers, stuff. 
But Jesus can't be taken away. The hope of eternal life can't be taken away. That's what our hope is built upon. Life has a way of exposing false hopes. Has a way of exposing that when my hope is not grounded in, in Jesus, but on peripheral things. So let me, let me turn this a little bit. It, we, as we're going through the Old Testament and Genesis, we're looking for Jesus. So what does all of this test of Abraham have to do with Jesus? Let's talk about the testing of Jesus himself. If you remember, Jesus goes to the Jordan River and he gets baptized by John the baptizer. And he comes up out of the water and you hear a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. I mean, it's a glorious moment. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. But then it says, now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, right after this happened, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wild or into the desert. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when the time was up, he was hungry. You think you might be hungry after... 40 days of night. <laughs> yeah. Remember that w- number 40 throughout Scripture is the number of deliverance. You go through a trial, and on the 40th year, 40th day, you're delivered. That's a, that's a, that's a pattern throughout the Scripture. So, like Israel was tested, like Abraham was tested, like David was tested, Jesus was tested. And it's no coincidence that the children of Israel walked in the desert for 40 years that Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness. And the tests are very, very similar in that there was a test for provision. You know, the evil one tested Jesus to to turn a rock into bread. Would he he show off or supersede his, his power and authority? Or would he go through a test like you and I have to, to trust God for provision? Then there's the, the Israel was tested, the test of obedience in the middle of all their, their trials. And then the worship test. And they were, the children of Israel were tempted to worship foreign gods. That's what the whole, like a, if you want to summarize the Old Testament and the story of Israel, is it, would they worship Yahweh or would they worship the little gods around them. Jesus did what Israel failed to do. What David failed to do. What I've failed to do. What we've all failed to do. Jesus passed the test in our place. It's part of the gospel. Is that Jesus, God the Son, entered into human flesh entered into our real world became one of us had skin and bones had to eat got bad breath when he ate garlic had to to use the restroom i mean he was human all the way through and hebrews 2 says that jesus was tempted and tested in every way just like us yet without sin 
He did that on our behalf. He did what Adam failed to do, and he did what I failed to do and what all of us have failed to do in our place. He accomplished what we couldn't. He trusted in his Father. He ate from the tree of life rather than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil all the days of his life, walking in the will of the Father to show us what God is like and what it means to be human. He, he trusted the timing of God. Some of you are in going through some difficult stuff right now. I know it. And you're ready for your test to be over. Amen? I get it. You go through something and you're like, please deliver me, Lord, from this. Here's what I want you to take away. In Jesus, we have a sympathetic Savior who has compassion on us. To have sympathy on someone is to be moved by their troubles, to be moved by their difficulties. But not only do we have a sympathetic Savior, we have an empathetic Savior. Empathy is compassion, but it's also, I've been through that, so I empathize with you. He is a sympathetic, empathetic Savior who loves us. He's been there and done that. He's there, right there with you, walking through the difficulties. Many of you probably have heard of the serenity prayer. Um, there's a second part to the serenity prayer that a lot of people don't know about. They use the first part in a lot of addiction groups and so forth. But the second half of the prayer, in my opinion, is, is the best part to pray. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. 